Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time to Ben Drowski show. As I speak, it is Friday. I think it's December 17th. Good God, I've lost track of time. Uh, and I just don't know where I am anymore. I'm actually literally uh, in a tiny room in California visiting my uh, daughters uh, for Christmas. And I if you could see the setup, ladies and gentlemen, my mic oops, just dropped my book. My microphone uh, and computer are on top of a refrigerator, and I'm shoved into the corner of the kitchen. But I work so valiantly to bring you the Ben Jarowski show uh, that I'm doing the show live uh, from uh, California. Uh, well, not live, but recorded from California. And um, headline in the paper says it all, and we're going to talk about these headlines that I'm reading in the paper with my distinguished guest who will uh, introduce himself in a bit. The biggest Pinocchios of 2021. Glenn Kessler, who's the fact checker for the uh, Washington Post, uh, chronicles the biggest Pinocchios of 2021. If you don't know this, a Pinocchio uh, is an award that the Kessler facetiously gives people who lie. And so the more outrageous your lie, the more Pinocchios you get. And um, because you know, as you know, Pinocchio's nose grew when he told a lie. Uh, anyway, without further ado, we're going to take the deep dive on the biggest Pinocchios of 2021 with my distinguished guest. I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself as I do every other week on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Take it away, distinguished guest. Thanks, Ben. It's great to be back. Um, I'm David Ferris. I'm an associate professor of political science at Roosevelt University, um, political a contributor at The Week and the author of It's Time to Fight Dirty, How Democrats Can Build a Lasting Majority in American politics. Um, and uh, I'm excited to uh, to talk about lies today. I think that's what we're talking about, right? Yes, we're talking about <laughs> lies. Originally, we, we thought we were going to start talking about uh, the January 6th insurrection and the investigation into it. And that will probably come, in, come up in this larger conversation. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to see uh, unscripted David Ferris. He does not know what's on this list. I I thought I sent him the article in advance, but apparently I sent it to somebody else. Oops. They probably wonder, what is this? Well, that's okay because uh, half the times I walk into my classroom, I don't actually know what I'm going to say. So there's a, there's a lot of improv in my life already. Um, so I'm ready. Let's do it. You know? All right. And this is every single uh, lie on this list is something we've talked about at least once on our show. Um, so the first lie is, con- is called continuing election lies. Uh, and I will read to you the opening, and then you take it away from there. Uh, on January 2nd, Donald Trump called fellow Republican Brad Raffensperger, remember we talked about this, uh, the Georgia Secretary of State, and over the course of an hour, spouted false claims in a vain effort to, quote, find, unquote, enough votes to overturn his defeat in the state. 
President Biden's inauguration 18 days later did not stop Trump from continuing his effort, such as demands for new audits to sow suspicion and mistrust among his supporters about the presidential election or to ensure supporters are in place in key election roles if he decides to run again in 2024. All right, it goes on from there. But we talked about these phone calls uh, in the immediate aftermath of them, uh, David, and I mentioned this to you earlier. I was just watching with delight. Uh, unbelievable chutzpah on the part of uh, Fox uh, TV uh, talkers. Uh, they were outraged uh, that Don Lemon had called Jesse Smollett. Uh, Don Lemon of CNN had called Jesse Smollett to notify him that he had heard that the police were turning their attentions uh, away from some alleged MAGA uh, uh, mugger and turning it to him as he made up the uh, allegations of being uh, mugged. And they were outraged that this phone call uh, was being made. And <laughs> not one word about Donald Trump calling election officials in Georgia and Michigan, by the way, uh, to try to twist their arms into changing your thoughts about this particular lie. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the Jesse Smollett stuff. I mean, I'm just, it's so mystifying to me that the right is still talking about this one case. You know, it's like, um, they, they seem to think it's some sort of gotcha that people believed it. Um, and I'm like, well, what, what reason would you have not to believe this otherwise credible public figure that lots of people watch on their TVs at night? I don't watch whatever he's in, but um, you know, it seemed, it seemed like a plausible story. Like, you know, they investigated it and it turned out to be false. I don't know. It seems like open and close the book there. It's not like anybody, you know, here's the thing. It's not like half of the Democratic Party is running around being like, no, actually, a MAGA supporter did beat up Jesse Smollett. Okay, you're just not seeing it, right? There's a big conspiracy. Okay, Dominion voting systems aren't allowing you to see that, Je that Jesse Smollett really was attacked by a MAGA supporter. No, we're all like, yeah, he lied. That sucks. You know, I'm, you know. I'm sorry that like Kamala Harris and some Democrats like put out tweets in support of him, but like, why wouldn't they? Um, maybe we all should just wait for the evidence. Maybe that's the biggest takeaway. Okay, big big deal. It's not a giant conspiracy theory. Um, this, on the other hand, is a giant conspiracy theory. Um, and and the fact that that Trump was making these calls, um, not just to Raffensperger, but to all sorts of election officials all over the all over the country and the states that uh, whose election results he wanted to overturn means that he was not just going on TV and being like, uh, it's corrupt, but then going back to his office, like, wink, wink, you know, we all know this is nonsense, but like, I got to do this for the mega people. Um, he was actually trying to overturn the election, right? Like he wanted, like he would not have made the call to Raffensperger if he didn't want Raffensperger to get off the call um, and start thinking about ways to change the election results in Georgia. That was the intent of the call. That's why he made the call. Um, that's why he flew in state legislators from, from Michigan um, in, a, in an attempt to convince them to, to set aside the election results. Um, it's why he and his allies were working with the six craziest people in Congress um, to, to come up with various ways to overturn the election in conjunction with the three craziest lawyers in America. Um, and, and again, it's just that it's, it's one of those things where it's like the cartoonish idiocy of it has the effect, I think, for liberals and Democrats of cloaking the actual threat here. Um, because it's not that he could not have gotten away with this. They, he just, they did not have the right people in the right offices, um, to pull off this plot. And that's, that's the problem that they've been trying to rectify over the last year is to get MAGA true believers and get MAGA conspiracy theorists and to get QAnon people, um, to be the, the precinct leaders and, uh, the precinct captains and uh, local election officials and secretaries of state. Um, and Brad Raffensperger, whatever else his flaws as a human being are, and I'm sure that they are legion, um, he was not willing to do this, you know, and the governor of Georgia, Brian, sorry, this, remember this thing, I can't ever get this right, Brian Kemp, right, not Matt Kemp, not Dodgers outfielder Matt Kemp, Georgia governor Brian Kemp also wouldn't do it, and he's getting primaried um, by, a, by, a, by a MAGA Trump uh, endorsed lunatic um, who, who says that the Georgia election results were faked, even though Republicans run the entire state. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this is, it's just outrageous, right? I mean, it's like outrageous that the president of the United States was calling um, a, a secretary of state and asking that person to, um, to find votes. In other words, to fabricate votes or to declare certain votes to be illegal, um, groundlessly and baselessly. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, if that's the top lie, sure. Uh, it's definitely in the, you know, it's definitely in the top 10 for me. <laughs> it's Absolutely. really outrageous.
And so the question looking forward to the next year before you get to the, the next lie, uh, which is really in your wheelhouse, um, is do you think there will be a price the Republicans uh, will pay for this attempted coup? And we talked about this on the last time we did a show in terms of abortion. Uh, and you were very, uh, I would say, jadedly pragmatic uh, in the way you 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 put that your argument out, which is as long as uh, women in blue states can still get access to abortion, uh, it is probably not going to turn over any states from uh, red to blue. And um, there's a lot of truth, I think, in what you were saying. A very bizarre country we're living in right now, very divided. But this is different. This is the president of the United, the United States act, asking uh, state officials in Georgia and Michigan to break the law and allow him to remain president even though he lost. They're defying, openly defying the will of the voters. Do you think there will be a consequence for Republican candidates uh, as a result of this in the coming uh, midterm elections? It's a great question. And my response is largely, it really depends on what Democrats do with this information. Um, right now, the, the, the elite political class uh, in the Democratic Party is focused on their incompetent policymaking um, and their endless negotiations um, with this one coal millionaire in West Virginia who's, uh, who's holding up the whole agenda and could be single-handedly responsible for the destruction of American democracy in, in a, you know, or whatever is left of it. Um, and they are not consistently making the case to the public that A, um, the former president of the United States, many of his allies, um, multiple sitting members of Congress, um, and the whole sort of right-wing media complex engaged in, in a seditious conspiracy to overthrow the government of the United States. Um, what they are doing is they're like, okay, well, we've got a committee. It's a House committee, right? And uh, Merrick Garland, you know, he's looking it over, you know, just uh, be patient. And uh, the sense of crisis and the sense of urgency is just not there from our officials right now. And that, that concerns me because I'm sure you've seen the polling um, that only, you know, like some, some super majority of Republicans, but only 35% of Democrats think that democracy is endangered. Okay, so Trump has brainwashed his entire cult into believing that we are trying to overthrow democracy by, I guess, voting. Um, and our leaders are trying to convince everyone um, that they're working really hard on the child tax credit. And, uh, you know, there's some bad stuff going on with voting rights, but fundamentally everything's okay. And until Biden and Harris and Pelosi and Schumer, um, those, are the, those are the four horsemen of the, of the democratic apocalypse right now. Until they start getting out there and making, they, like they need to get hysterical. I mean, I'm sorry, but they do. Like Biden needs to call it, like do a national address and talk about how Trump tried to overthrow the government. Um, Merrick Garland needs to, you know, um, take some Claritin D and, and get going, man. Like start arresting people. Um, start telling people what happened. And 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 that should be the front page news. I mean, there's a lot going on. You know, we got this Omicron, and I have to say Omicron, Omicron, Omicron. Get this new variant, variant of the coronavirus. And the economy is still, has some various troubles. And, uh, you know, there's a lot going on, okay? But, um, but fundamentally, if we don't successfully make the case to the American people before November 2022, that there is a very serious threat to the existence of American democracy, um, I, I don't see how the GOP pays a price for this. And this is a recurring pattern of the Trump era um, where we blame everything on Donald Trump and we let the Republican Party skate. Um, the other recurring pattern of the last five or six years is me thinking like, wow, this has got to be the breaking point, right? <laughs> Surely the people will revolt against this. And they just don't. Uh, and it's just like, I mean, I know this intrinsically in political science, but people just don't pay that close attention to politics. Um, they just kind of want to do, they want to do their jobs and hug their kids and, and watch Netflix and stuff. And especially now, <laughs> and they would prefer not, they would prefer to believe Ben that there is not in fact a threat to American democracy and liberals, uh, in particular tend to be like this optimistic, pragmatic, you know, rule bound group of people who I think have, um, and a, a major overestimation of how resilient American democracy is. And, and the idea that no one could possibly overthrow it 
because there's some dead man's hand in there somewhere that would prevent it from happening. You know, the um, checks and balances, you know, so something will balance against this. Something will check against this. And it's like, no, <laughs> um, read the, you know, read the statutes, um, look at what they could do, look what they're trying to do, look what they tried to do, Like this is coming. Um, and until the elites make the case to the voters, the only people that are going to consider this uh, an existential threat are the ones that are on Twitter all day long and, and who, are, who are being kept up at night by this already. Um, and I don't need any convincing. The, the Democrats need to convince um, less engaged, um, less Twitter bound, um, less politics obsessed people that their right to choose their own leadership is seriously in jeopardy. And until they do that, the GOP is not going to pay a, a single price for any of this. Yeah, I fear you're right. Uh, in a weird way, uh, before we go to the next one, I'll give a little glimmer of hope. And as soon as I start saying this, I realize it's very, uh, it's not much of a glimmer. But we, uh, in the earlier show today, we were talking about uh, the billionaire Ken Griffin uh, in the state of Illinois, who essentially finances the Illinois Republican Party, uh, not being pleased with the lineup of Republican candidates to run against uh, J.P. Pritzker for governor. And they're all out-and-out MAGAites. I mean, they I will not run down. Uh, anybody who listens to my show, We, you know the list. Uh, we run them down. We run through this list all the time. Uh, they, they, it's, they're, out, they're each trying to outdo each other, out-MAGAing each other. Uh, and essentially, Ken Griffin says, no, nah, this won't work. And he's looking for a quote-unquote moderate. To finance, and he's willing to spend three hundred million dollars to finance. Uh, that's how much they've been saying that he's willing to kick in to, to beat Pritzker. They desperately want to beat Pritzker. So that gives me a little hope that maybe uh, the powers that be in the Republican Party, the financial powers that be, are sensing that uh, they've gone too far. But, you know, I, I said it's a, a very uh, not much. It's just a bare glimmer. Uh, David, uh, so I'm looking to be as glimmerful as I can. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're looking at the difference between Larry Elder in California and Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. You know, it's like, it's possible Prisker's not going to be very popular at this time next year if this COVID stuff is still going on. Um, and if they could find somebody that's not insane, um, it's not implausible that a Republican can win. I mean, it happened in 2014, right? So I'm sure they're looking at the evidence and saying, like, let's keep the especially in Illinois, right? I mean, a MAGA lunatic can, can win by 20 points in Alabama, but but not here, right? Like, you cannot be a crazy MAGA lunatic and get anywhere near power in Illinois. So um, to, to the extent that uh, that's wise on their part, I guess. And, and I also, with, with Roe will be gone, you cannot be anti-choice and win Illinois with Roe gone. So, um, so it's going to be a challenge uh, for the billionaires. All right, here we go. Number two. January 6th falsehoods. The shocking January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol by Trump supporters was followed quickly by false claims by Republicans to diminish the scope of the attack or deflect blame. Within hours, Representative Matt Gates of Florida and others blame Antifa forces for engineering the assault despite no evidence. Trump falsely claimed that he had, quote, requested 10,000 troops to protect the Capitol, but that the request was rejected by Nancy Pelosi. All he did was throw out a big number in a conversation with aides based on an inflated idea that one million people would show up for his rally. Meanwhile, Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio falsely said Pelosi denied a request for National Guard troops. Public testimony showed Pelosi did not even hear about the requests until two days later. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene complained based on false social media reports that Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had offered, quote, a hoax, unquote, about her experience during the Capitol Hill riot. A lot of lies in that one section. David Ferris, take it away. Well, I just, again, want to point out a pattern here, okay? And, during, and this is, a, again, throughout the whole Trump era, is that Donald Trump does something completely bananas, right? Um he works with the Russians to, to undermine the 2016 election. Uh, he calls the president of Ukraine and says, can you please find, can you please fabricate evidence that uh, my, my potential opponent in the general election committed some crimes or whatever in, in Ukraine, I don't care if it's true, just do it or else we'll, we'll feed you to uh, Vladimir Putin. Um, and there's a, there's this initial sense of shock that actually transcends 
um, the partisan divide at least a little bit. And and you can see like the Fox News hosts like kind of like pulling at their collars like, oh, man, this seems bad. Um, and then within a couple of days, they regroup and they create, they fabricate um, a completely deranged set of conspiracy theories that purport to explain the criminal, illegal, or obscene behavior of the former president of the United States. And so here, once again, you have the president down the street from the Capitol riot um, at a rally full of his own supporters. Um, and he's like, let's go to the Capitol. And they go to the Capitol. He doesn't say go in and murder people, right? But he's like, we're going to go to the Capitol. We're going to stop this from happening. Like, what does he think they were going to do? Um, and the people go from the rally and they go to the Capitol and they're dressed like MAGA people and all the MAGA people that have been identified are real people with like Facebook profiles that prove that they're real MAGA people. They have not produced a single person from Antifa um, who was trying to storm the Capitol. Um, by the way, it's pretty tough sell um, to people committing a false flag attack to say like, oh man, we want to make Republicans look bad. So you got to do something that's going to send you to prison for 20 years. How, does that sound okay? <laughs> Right. Like what, what maniacal, like left, like the most twisted left-wing person on the face of the earth is not going to like, um, go and try to, try to kill, uh, Mitt Romney to own the MAGAs. You know, it's just, it's just not a thing. Um, and so within days, a significant segment of the Republican party had decided that this was a hoax. Um, another significant segment of the party had decided, uh, that it was just a few knuckleheads, um, who got carried away and that there was no serious threat to anyone. And if you've watched the footage and you've heard the testimony, you know that um, we were a few false turns in a hallway um, from a significant number of members of Congress being their lives being seriously threatened. Um, and so, again, looking at the polling, polling data, a lot of Republicans believe that, the, that Antifa was behind January 6th. Um, a lot of them hold the simultaneously irreconcilable belief um, that the January 6th people are being treated unfairly and are political prisoners, right? So on the, at, the time, at the same time, they're like, this is fake. It was all Antifa. Uh, also, they're rounding up these political prisoners and Ashley Babbitt was a hero. Um, and, and the fact that these things make no sense when you smash them together is actually the point. You know, um, it's the point of the authoritarian cult to be able to use people like that to convince them of obvious lies um, to, to, to produce a sense of, uh, of obeisance to, to Trump that is so complete um, that you've effectively turned uh, millions of people in, into marionettes who, who are willing to just like parrot whatever the dear leader is telling them. Um, it's, it's, it's actually the, it's the, the essence of authoritarianism in many parts of the world um, is the ability to, to, to lie to people, not just to lie to people, but to make them dance, right? Um, it's like you trick a lot of people into believing the lies and um, and the people that you hold power over, who maybe know that the know that these are lies, are forced to go out there and defend them anyway. Um, they have to go out there and they have to avow the absurd, um, and uh, and that's what and that's what this lie is about. Right? This is about um, absolving Republicans of what they did on January sixth, uh, convincing a significant number of them um, that it wasn't real, convincing a lot of others um, that the that the rioters and the insurrectionists are being treated unfairly. <laughs> by the Justice Department. Um, and you take these three very different claims, you just smash them up into a into a stew of rage and just let it simmer until November 2022. Like, that's the plan. Wow. And it also, uh, that was a great riff, by the way, uh, that it also just sort of uh, denies the humanity of people who've been victimized. So the last bit, that it was a hoax, AOC's uh, claims of being very afraid and feeling uh, violated and threatened are a hoax. And I, I, I've been seeing this as long as I can recall, uh, David, when there's any kind of act of violence uh, against uh, anyone on the left. And this is why Justice Smollett is so important to the right. They, they want to immediately deny that it's true. So they want to they want to just say that the other side is making up. Or I remember it. I can't believe this is how old I am uh, when the the three civil rights workers were killed in Mississippi in 1964. Uh, and um, folks in Mississippi said, oh, well, they just, they, they staged this crime to make you feel bad for them. Then they discovered the bodies. Well, I think it's beyond a staging, ladies and gentlemen. But that's just like an initial reaction, it seems, of the right and fascists, I guess, 
let's just call it for what it is. Uh, you just you don't want to you want to deny. We saw this happen with the people that Kyle Rittenhouse killed. You want to deny any hum, humanity to the other side as if they're just communist robots. Uh, right. We don't care about them anyway. I mean, like like the I like the fact that you know one of the people he shot had a criminal record or, or was unstable or wait whatever. Who cares, right? He still doesn't get to shoot him. <laughs> doesn't make, you still don't get to walk like you could walk into a crowd full of ex felons. You still don't just get to open fire on them. Okay, that's not how things work in America. Um, but yeah, it's just they they have to they have to warp the narrative because then because the truth is so damaging to them. The truth is so damaging to them. They they cannot have the truth reach their own supporters unfiltered because if it does, um, then they lose their power. They lose their power over them, um, and so they have to they have to continue the lie. That's the whole point. All right, so moving back to the biggest lies, political lies, 2021, and the Washington Post proving that it's bipartisan uh, in its uh, accusations, uh, comes up with a lie directed at Democrats. This is the mainstream media bending over backwards to show that it's not biased. And Washington Post, no matter what you say, they're going to say you're biased, but whatever. I'm just throwing that out there. You might as well find your inner Ben Jarofsky and David Ferris because they're going to say you're a bunch of commie radicals anyway. But here they go. So here we go. Headline, quote, Georgia's new law ends voting hours early so working people can't cast their votes, unquote. Joe Biden repeatedly condemned the new Georgia election law that imposed new restrictions on voting, but one of his complaints was simply false. Quote, it ends voting hours earlier, early so working people can't cast their vote after the shift is over, unquote. Many listeners might assume he was talking about voting on Election Day, but Election Day hours were not changed. The law did make some changes to early voting. But experts say the net effect of new early voting rules was to expand the opportunity to vote for most Georgians, not limit them. Your thoughts, David Ferris. Okay, I have two sets of thoughts about this. Um, one, Democrats focused on the wrong thing to complain about in the Georgia law. Okay, we can argue about how you know how much early voting there should be uh with we drive through voting whether there should be this kind of voting that kind of voting um none of which i think really represents the fundamental threat to the republic right if you if you roll back early voting by three days okay um it's it's intent might be maligned but it's not the end of the world um the thing that is the end of the world in the georgia in the georgia law is the is the is the is the power it gives um uh the state to seize control of local election boards um, if they find them to be in, in violation of, of their fabricated standards for uh, for election integrity. That's the dangerous thing. Um, and that's what Biden should have been focusing on from the beginning. In, in terms of the lie, look, Joe Biden is an old man, okay? He's, he's a very old man. He probably read a briefing about it um, and, he, and he went out and he, he, he made a mistaken claim. He probably came back in and there was an aide that was like, Mr. President, that's not what the law says. Could you not do it again? And he goes back out and he's like, my daddy said, Joey, don't restrict the voting hours. Look at what they're doing in Georgia. Right. And he goes back in and the aide is like, Mr. President, I asked you not to say that. Right. He's not saying it anymore. Right. He's not like basing his 20, his next campaign around the idea that Georgia is cutting hours on, on election day. Um, and so the, the difference here and the reason it's like preposterous that this is in the top 10 Um is, is, is again, this like asymmetry where it's like a Democrat makes a mistake um, or makes a mistaken claim about the law, uh, I think in good faith, right? If he was still doing it, then you could say, okay, well, this is bad faith if you keep saying it over and over again, even though you've been proven wrong over and over again. Um, and then you have Republicans who are trying to overthrow the government of the United States of America. And, and you have the president who's making a, a, a mistaken claim about one section of a law in Georgia. I will leave it to your audience, Ben, to determine which of those things is worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, th this is a clear case. Uh, and this is the basketball fan and me talking. What I see happen in basketball all the time is called working the refs. Uh, and uh, if you watch a basketball game these days, particularly if you watch a Lakers game, uh, LeBron James and uh, Anthony Davis have never, ever committed a foul in their entire life. Uh, and uh, you could see the replay of them whacking someone over the head, and they just utter disbelief. Okay, I can't believe it. They looking to the skies in anguish, like, and then you know the referee. Okay, next call goes to you, and it's not just LeBron James. Anything. This is eight. This is how you play the game. 
Uh, coaches do this. All players do this. They're always crying and oh my god, uh, Draymond Green. <laughs> Don't want to get me started on him. Uh, so uh, and and this this works uh, in politics and in, in the mainstream media. Yes, you're absolutely correct, David. Uh, should this be on the top ten list of lies? No, it's pretty obvious. But you know, the Washington Post wants to show that. You know, we report Democratic lies, too, uh, even if they're nowhere near as bad as the Republican ones. Uh, Look, we're not, not being people. repeated still. That's the point. <laughs> right. Exactly. That is the point. Uh, as a really brief aside, um, I don't watch basketball. I watch basketball every once in a while. And like this thing is this is one of the two really puzzling aspects of professional basketball to me. Um, one is that the last minute of a basketball team game takes like 47 hours. Um, and the other, <laughs> the others, I watch a basketball game. I'm like, Oh, I didn't realize you needed like a MFA in theater from, from, uh, from <laughs> NYU to, to play basketball. This is really interesting. I should bring this to baseball. <laughs> well, not to turn this into a basketball conversation. I have plenty of basketball conversations on my show. At least once a week, I have a basketball conversation with some guests, but about the last minute, uh, and I don't know if as a kid, uh, maybe this will help you understand in the last minute. If you ever watched a movie on TV in the old days before we had streaming, you could, uh, there were movies on TV, regular old TV. Uh, and I used to watch other uh, creature features on Friday nights, Saturday night, like they would uh, channel seven, ABC in Chicago would play like a pretty good classic, you know, uh, like a Hitchcock movie or something. And the way they do it, the way they sucker you in when the movie unfolds, like the, they get you, they give you like 20 raw minutes of the movie and then there's a commercial. Then they give you like 18 minutes and then there's a commercial. And as they get closer and closer to the end of the movie, the, there's more and more commercials. Oprah did this too back in the day when she was on, like the, they grab you and then you're caught. And that's how it is in an NBA game. They got you and they know that last minute. So they'll, they'll say, well, well, we have timeouts to do strategy. No, you have timeouts to get commercials. So you can bombard us with commercials knowing we're not going anywhere because we want to know what's going to happen in a movie. And I'll tell you what, if you really want to drive yourself crazy, David, follow a game on the internet. It's like, at least you got a commercial to look at. You know what I mean? On the internet, you're just staring at the internet. What happened? It's just frozen for like two minutes. Anyway, sorry about that. By the way, college football is just as bad. Oh my God, don't get me started. Anyway, all right, enough on that. Sorry about that sports rants, ladies and gentlemen. I know it's only political junkies who listen to the David Ferris interviews. <laughs> They're like, wait, Ben talks basketball. All right, here we go. It quote, in my race in 2018, they found 95,000 ballots after election night. And here's uh, what the fact checker wrote. Sometimes politicians keep repeating what we call zombie claims. Senator Rick Scott uh, Florida, a Republican of Florida, for years has been alleging, alleging large-scale violations in Florida's 2018 election, but has never coughed up the proof. He says 95,000 votes were found illegally after the polls closed in 2018, but the votes were already there and officials counted them before the legal deadline. Florida officials and agencies led by Scott appointees investigated his claims while he was governor and produced no evidence to support his flimsy and inflammatory charges. David, your thoughts? This one's pretty puzzling to me, Ben, because remind me again who won the Senate race in 2018 in the state of Florida. <laughs> it would be Rick Scott. It would be Rick Scott, right? So this reminds me of that scene in, in uh, remember the scene from Seinfeld where George is working for the New York Yankees and he's talking to Derek Jeter and Jeter, you know, he's like being critical of the Yankees and Jeter's like, well, we won the World Series. And George is like, yeah, in six games, you know? <laughs> Um, <laughs> so it's like, dude, you won, just, just zip it and go back to like robbing old people of their Medicare. That's like, um, you know, just go, go back to being a grifter. You just, you bald scumbag. Rick Scott is a horrible person. Um, but that, I mean, that's like, that's the incentive on the right right now. But it's like, even if you win, I'd be like, yeah, but I would have won my more if it wasn't for the illegals, uh, and, and all these illegal votes. Uh, I can't find any evidence of it, but I know it in my gut. Um, it's like 95,000 ballots were found. It's like, you know, what was happening is they were counting the votes, Rick. Um, and in places where more people live, it takes longer. Uh, who knew, right? Um, maybe if you uh, would allocate more money to election administration, um, so that lines wouldn't wrap around the block every, every election in Miami Dade in the same, you know, the same 10 places, we know where these places are and we know why those lines are wrapped around the block. 
Um, and so they, they deliberately engineer these, these delays in the vote counting, and then they try to exploit them. Um, it's just, it's corrupt on both ends. And that's pretty much on brand for Rick Scott. Yeah. And the state of uh, Florida, and, uh, before we move on to the next line, I just noticed in the paper that there were two people arrested in Florida, I think, for uh, uh, voting more than once. And guess what? They're both Republicans. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah, here we anyway, go. It really is. That just really is the dumbest crime that you can commit. You know what I mean? Because it's like your odds of <laughs> your odds of being the decisive vote are so vanishingly small. Um, you have a better chance of being uh, hit by lightning um, like five ti- five days in a row. Um, and uh, it's just it's just such a ridiculous thing. to No, do it's so absurd. Yeah. It's so absurd considering that it doesn't matter who wins the vote anyway. If you're Donald Trump, he's going to make a phone call to the uh, election officials and get them to throw away Democratic ballots. And it's really hard to lose an election if you convince the election officials to throw away the votes of people who voted against you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Here we go. Next lie. Viral conspiracy claims about Biden. It's just so funny. I'm reading these lies, these horrible Republican lies. And they I still like, come on, Kessler. You got that little wimpy lie about Biden, which which, I'm not even sure was a lie. But whatever. He said it once. (laughs) This viral conspiracy claims about Biden that are still ongoing. Okay, but the Washington Post is we're fair. All right. Like Republicans will never think you're fair, guys. Okay. All right. With a snip and clip, along with misleading labeling, opponents of Biden flooded social media with false claims. Three especially caught our attention. Wow, three. First, a viral tweet claimed that on Inauguration Day, quote, someone in Biden's earpiece told him to salute the Marines, and Biden just repeated the words, salute the Marines, because he is so used to just repeating whatever comes through his earpiece, end of quote. Actually, Biden remarked, good-looking Marines. Wow. (laughs) Then on Fox... Host Tucker Carlson used a 2015 clip of then-Vice President Biden to claim Biden had some sort of secret plan to flood the United States with undocumented immigrants and accomplish what Carlson called, quote, the great replacement, end of quote, what he describes as, quote, the replacement of legacy Americans with more obedient people from faraway countries. Oh, my God. Does anybody get more obedient than MAGA voters? (laughs) Yeah, I, I order you to die of COVID, and they're like, okay, I will die of COVID. Thank you. Uh, but Carlson had snipped just a half minute from a six-minute Biden riff at a 2015 press, con- uh, 2015 press conference. The full remarks show Biden was saying the opposite of what Carlson claimed. Finally, Biden was not silenced by mysterious aides with the mute button, despite energetic efforts by the Republican National Committee and Senator James E. Risch of Idaho to spread this rumor, David Ferris. Um, here's an instance where <laughs> the lie is so much less important than what they are trying to accomplish with the lie. Do you know what I mean? With it, you know, and so it's like Kessler is re- repeating these claims, and like, yes, this is obviously a lie. Um, using old footage to make a new claim is is just a classic propaganda move. Um, but he's 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 missing the forest for the trees here, right? Like the reason Tucker Carlson is lying about the Great Replacement um, is that like the, the convincing white voters um, that there's a, an organized conspiracy um, to replace America's white majority with uh, with people from other countries is is part and parcel of the whole mega political project, you know. Um, and so the fact that the old footage is used is so much less important. <laughs> than the fascist political project that Tucker Carlson is building on his ridiculous TV program every night. Um, and the, the Marines thing, I'm sorry, it's just kind of funny to me. Um, it's like, um, first of all, who cares? Like, I, I don't care if someone is, I don't care if he's wearing an earpiece and, and people are like, okay, this is a uh, president of Zambia. His name is whatever, you know, if you've ever watched Veep, um, there was a, there was a satire of this, uh, where, where, uh, the, you know, the, Julia Louise Dreyfus's aide was constantly whispering in her ear about who various people were because she couldn't remember because she didn't care. <laughs> it's like, again, Biden is like seventy thousand years old. Um, if he if he if he needs an earpiece to be told what to do, God bless. You know, like that's better than him getting something really important wrong. 
Um, uh, the other thing that's funny about this is like, why are you why are you calling Colin Marines good looking anyway? It's, but he's just like a weird guy, so that's fine. Um, but it's uh, that's why. Actually, this is. I mean, this goes to my whole objection to the to the like the Pinocchio genre of journalism to begin with, um, which is that finding like identifying and finding something that's not true that came out of someone's mouth does not necessarily tell you about the import of the impact of those lies. And so this list is seems comprised of things of, of just like wildly different importance in terms of the, of the magnitude and the importance of what is being lied about. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. The most obvious case is the Joe Biden quote unquote lie being number three on this list. But yeah, your point's well taken. And your last point was really well taken. Uh, replacement theory is taken from the Nazi party, the American Nazi party, you know, and that should be put out there. And, but that's not, I don't know. That's not a quote unquote lie. If you get you know what I'm saying? That's like yeah, not part I of do. the lie. I also, I'm like, I don't know. Is replacing some of these MAGA people really that bad of an idea? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the views and opinions of David Ferris do not necessarily reflect those of the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, <laughs> But I'm sorry. The the part that kills me, I just like uh, the replacement of legacy Americans. Wow, legacy Americans. Let's just ponder that one. Legacy Americans. What does that even mean? Does that mean they were admitted to America because their dad graduated from here? I mean, that's that's the language you use in in university admissions to define someone whose parent went to the college. It's I, I such know a weird term. Down. Legacy Americans. I, I don't know. I don't know what. It, but it sends <laughs> some message that has MAGA nodding its head. Uh, and then with more obedient people from faraway countries, and I'll repeat what I said, MAGA demands 100% obedience at all times. Obediency is not the issue with MAGA. They love obedience, okay? You know, it's like, it's not like Tucker Carlson, they want, you're like, you're fighting for independent thinkers. There's no independent thinkers in MAGA. They're literally told one thing one day and then a contradictory thing the next day, and they're supposed to repeat it even though it contradicts what they said the day before. Yeah, so. the other thing is, like, they're all walking around with, like, AR-15s into Target being like, every once in a while you got to water the Tree of Liberty with blood. And then they're like, but they're trying to, you know, <laughs> they want more obedience. I don't know. It's just a crazy idea. All um, right. Uh, here we go. This one, uh, got to remember this one. Of Quote, officials are handing out Kamala Harris books, uh, Kamala Harris's book to migrants, end of quote. The New York Post reported that a children's picture book written by Vice President Harris was being handed out to welcome, uh, in welcome kits to young migrants at a shelter in Long Beach, California. Fox News, which is owned by the same family as the New York Post, then amplified the story with its own version of the article. Senator Tom Cotton and RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel ran with these reports and posted critical tweets. But it turns out that a single copy of the book, Super, Superheroes Are Everywhere, was dominated uh, it was donated by a member of the community. The New York Post withdrew its story after our fact check, and the reporter resigned, tweeting she was ordered to write it. David? Ordered by whom? Um, this is just it's such a ridiculous story. I mean, first of all, who cares? I mean, who cares? I, I, like, oh, my God, the crime of giving out a children's book to, to like, migrant children? Um, so what if they did? Um, like, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's preposterous on its own turn. Like it's, it's preposterous on its face. Even if the lie was true, um, it, it would be, um, just not of any importance in, in the, in the large scope of human history. Um, but I think it's, it's part of, um, it's part of the right's like weird obsession with destroying Kamala Harris because, you know, she's not white. Um, and, Stuff like this and the media's like relentless obsession with like deeply unimportant details of Kamala Harris's life and, and times. Like the story where she was, you know, she bought an expensive um, um, pot to cook with or something, you know, um, and everyone was outraged. And this is coming from the people who all support a man who lives in a, in a golden tower um, decorated like a, um, you know, like a Borat's uh, a dream of what a fascist building would look like. Um, and then we're mad at her because she bought a she bought a four hundred dollar Dutch oven or something. It's like get just you know just get out of here with this stuff. You know it's just so ridiculous. But it's contributed to a decline in, in Harris's approval ratings to the point where there's all this chatter, which I think is mostly just you know uh, off year 
boredom, but, uh, you know, how Biden wants to replace her on the ticket or uh, if Biden dies, then, uh, you know, we can't go with Harris because she's so unpopular. And I'm like, she's so unpopular because you guys are talking about her cookware instead of what she's doing. Um, you also stuck her with like the most thankless job in politics, which is immigration, um, which none of you are even trying to fix in the first place. So it's like, we're going to make you the face of this big problem that we have um, that no one in Congress, even on our own team, is trying to tackle. Yeah. Good luck, Kamala. Um, really, really awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, that was well put. Uh, we'll close with this final lie because I, I want to point out there's a they throw a few more Biden lies, quote unquote, on there, but they're along of the same ilk where uh, Joe Biden is babbling and he says stuff that people go, no, no, don't. Uh, but you know, again, they're doing their best, uh, to seem like they're, uh, just umpire calling, uh, strikes and balls. Here we go. This one here. I don't know why this wasn't number one on the list, but whatever, or maybe number two, I guess, uh, Ron Johnson's campaign of vaccine misinformation. Senator Ron Johnson, Republican of Wisconsin, kept us busy this year with false or misleading claims about coronavirus vaccines. He said natural immunity is as strong, if not stronger, than vaccinated immunity. Studies also show that the mRNA vaccines could better protect against new coronavirus than natural immunity. He said there are serious side effects, including death. The senators, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said at the time of our fact checks that, quote, available clinical information, including death certificates, autopsies, and medical records, has not established a causal link uh, to COVID-19 vaccines. And now, based on further evidence, says a reviewer reports indicates a causal uh, relationship between the J&J COVID-19 vaccine and TTS, a rare and serious adverse event that causes blood, blood clots with low platelets. But Johnson said more than 5,200 deaths have been reported in the vaccine adverse event reporting system. That's the misuse of this data. Uh, so they're going after Ron Johnson. But of course, David, you know, uh, he's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to spreading misinformation about COVID, the vaccine, and uh, the cures to it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this is really, it really should be top of the paper, one of the one of the big stories every single day is the way that unvaccinated people are keeping this crisis going. You know, um, if we had 90% vaccination, we had agreement between the parties that this was important, um, this this Omicron threat would not be um, as as dire as 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 it might be, um, even if it turns out to not be that bad. The reality is that like uh, it is unvaccinated people that are driving the crisis in hospitals. It's unvaccinated people that are the reason that we're all walking around in masks and doing our jobs in masks. Um, it is unvaccinated people uh, that are the reason that we can't uh, put this thing to bed. And Ron Johnson and Republicans and the people on Fox News are directly responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths because they have convinced their own supporters um, that the vaccines are more dangerous or more unproven or more experimental than COVID itself. Um, and so this lie by Ron Johnson, 5,200 people have died of this vaccine is, is preposterous. Um, it means you can't read the fine print on what the vaccine adverse event reporting system is, right? Which is like, <clears throat> if you administer a vaccine to 100 million people, um, you know, 200 of them are going to drop dead the next day just because that's, that's what happens in the world. Um, and so it'll go into the system, right? But it doesn't mean they died from the vaccine, right? This is people, people who get the vaccine are going to keep dying of other things. Um, because unfortunately I regret to inform your audience that we do not actually live forever. So, um, uh, Johnson really, I think, I actually think that Ron Johnson is the dumbest member of Congress outside of the Tommy Tuberville category, right? Like Tommy Tuberville is in his own category. Um, and Ron Johnson, I, I would make an argument. He's the second stupidest person in, uh, out of all of the many hundreds of people that are in that building. Um, just a, just a venal, uh, uh, lazy, um, uh, just sub replacement level um, MAGA clown who I don't even think really believes in the MAGA movement. He's just, um, you know, he's just moving along through, through inertia. And so it's interesting that they picked this one um, given that like half of Republicans and, and everyone on television is lying about COVID and COVID vaccines every single day. Um, but it is, I guess, representative of the general campaign, which is like, you know, Johnson will go out and be like, well, I'm vaccinated and I, you know, I support it, I guess, but I'm against mandates. Um, and I think natural immunity should be looked at a little more closely. And uh, we should look at these, uh, you know, myocarditis and the, and the mRNA vaccines. It's like, it's always get vaccinated, but, 
right? It's always like, I believe in vaccines, but. And what comes after the but is, I believe in vaccines, but I don't believe in them enough um, to, to convince my supporters to end this crisis because keeping the crisis alive will help us in November 2022 and killing my own constituents will help us in November in 2022 because Biden will look bad because this is still happening, you know? Um, and so in a material sense, um, Ron Johnson and all of his friends and everyone in the right-wing media complex, they know um, that keeping some segment of the American population unvaccinated is going to keep the crisis rolling in some fashion. Um, and uh, and they want to they wanna exploit it politically. Um, and I don't think more than a handful of them in, in Congress really believe any of this nonsense, right? I mean, I, there's, I'm sure there's some people with principled opposition to vaccine mandates, but um, at, at the end of the day, the net effect of this is that we are all still living through the COVID pandemic and it's not, it's not very pleasant. Um, and, and Ron Johnson is the reason he and his friends and I hate them. <laughs> uh, and, uh, we'll close with this grim headline to prove your point. This just crossed my screen, uh, from the Washington post hospitalizations rise across the U S ahead of holidays. Ohio governor mobilizes 1,050 National Guard members to assist hospital workers, NFL plans to reschedule three games over COVID concern, and it just continues. Uh, so very grim news. Hate to end this podcast with such grim news. Do you have like a joke you can close it with? Oh, go ahead, David. Yes. No, no. I So I I, um, I follow this stuff as closely as somebody who has no expertise <laughs> in epidemiology can, because um, I'm asked to write about it for the week pretty frequently. Um, and... The data out of South Africa about Omicron is, is genuinely encouraging, um, even if you issue a series of caveats about it. Um, and, unless there's some confounding variable from South Africa that renders all of this data moot, which I have trouble believing, um, it does look like this, this variant is less, um, causes less severe disease and less hospitalization and, and, and less death. And it's worth noting, I think, that even even the, the hospitalizations that are being reported right now, I think are mostly from Delta. Um, and, and again, it's mostly Delta finding and attacking uh, unvaccinated dummies um, in, in every corner of the United States of America. And, and people said in August, remember some of these epidemiologists were like, Delta's going to find every single unvaccinated person in America. Eventually it will find them. Um, and that is what is happening right now. Um, and whether Omicron is going to make it worse or better, I don't think the ship has quite sailed on that yet, but uh, but I would end on a note of optimism that um, that the country experiencing the first and earliest and worst outbreak of Omicron um, appears to be seeing um, less severe disease. And so um, I think there's reason to hope that that might be the case here too. All right. Uh, that is a bit of an optimistic note to end the conversation with. Uh, and I'll also by say, end it by saying thank you, David, for being uh, such a great guest this entire year. I'm doing my math in my mind, and I think the next time we talk, it will be, am I correct on this? Will it be January or will it still be the end? Of, oh, we have to decide whether we're going to do uh, an interview oh, uh, on the last day of December. So I guess that's a decision we'll make uh, down the road. So I was going to say Happy New Year to you, but you know what? We still may be doing a show. Uh, so uh, we'll just end this conversation by thanking you very much for uh, doing great job on improv. Uh, I think from now on, I will never tell you what I'm going to ask you about. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. It's been working well for me in my regular part of the show. Uh, yeah. uh, David, no preparation whatsoever. Well, uh, thanks again for having me on and, and having me on all year. It's uh, it's always a blast, and I, I really look forward to these shows. So uh, uh, it's, yeah, it works as much it. for me as it does for you. Trust me. It is. It's very <laughs> therapeutic, I think, for both of us. Yeah. All right. That's the great David Ferris. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.